0: This morning we're asking a pretty simple, maybe fundamental question. Why are you a Seventh-day Adventist? Have you thought about that question? Hopefully you have. There may be a few here that say, well, I'm not. But I think most of us would agree that, that you are part of the Seventh-day Adventist church. You're a member in good and regular standing. My question simply is, how come? Why did you choose the Seventh-day Adventist church. Well, we might be able to come up with a host of reasons. Is it because you were born into it? This is just what you've always known? This is comfortable? Maybe uh, you like Adventist culture. Uh, You say, you know, I just, I love haystacks. Anywhere I go, they don't know what it is, but the Adventists know (laughs) what haystacks are. They know how to build a good one. (laughs) Is that your reason? Maybe you just like being different. Uh, You just think that Everybody else is too mainstream so you want to go and, and short, court your, course your own, is that the right? Chart. Chart your own path, thank you, I need help. Maybe it's Adventist education, you say I like the school system, the Adventist edge has shown that our school system is, is very good and we can find a school around the world and so I like that aspect, maybe it's the health message and we have a wonderful health message, the annual fast has, has certainly been a blessing to many of us. Um, Maybe you think, well, Adventists are friendlier. Is that the reason? And we might even argue, is that even true? I don't know. Well, they have nicer churches. Is that true? I don't know. Is that the reason that you chose to be a Seventh-day Adventist? Well, Saturdays are more convenient than Sundays. We could come up with a host of reasons. I hope those aren't at the top of your list. And so, we're going to be looking over the next five weeks at a series that I'm entitling Why I Am a Seventh-day Adventist, or Why Am I a Seventh-day Adventist. And I want to get you thinking along those lines. Are we just another denomination, or are we unique? Are we peculiar? Do we have a message that is relevant at this time in Earth's history? So it's going to be a five-part series, it's going to be split up because there's other speakers coming on through as well. But question number one that we're going to look at today, does the truth really matter? We want to look at that question. Uh, in a couple of weeks we're going to look at this next question, isn't loving Jesus enough? Some might ask that. Thirdly, what makes you so special? I mean, can't I just love Jesus? Aren't you being overly legalistic? And then you use words like like remnant and so on. I just, I don't feel comfortable with that. We're going to look at that. Number four, fourth question, what makes the devil angry? You'll have to wait to see what that's about. And then number five, what's wrong with being a cultural Adventist? Is that Okay. And so, those are the five pieces that we're going to look at, and we're going to unpack those as we go along. And so, today we're just kind of uh, getting started here. And you might say, well, that's not the only reason, and I hope that's not your only reason in terms of what I'm covering today, but we have some other things we're going to be looking at as we go along. But today, does the truth really matter? A lot of people today say there is no such thing as absolute truth. Is that true? You know, if we look here back in our own history, John Harvey Kellogg published in 1903 a book that was highly controversial called The Living Temple. And in this book, of course, we know Kellogg was an inventor and many things, but he was big into health. And the idea was God lives in everything and it's everywhere, including, first and foremost, in you. And so if you want to get in touch with the God in you, you have to look within, not without. That's this idea of pantheism. The earth and all its life forms and processes are sacred. We belong to them and they to us, we are kin. So it's that idea that you hear, you know, for those of you that can remember Oprah Winfrey, and and we, we talk about the power within. If I can just get in tune with the power within. And we know that to be pantheism. And so that created quite a stir within the Adventist church and people were divided on one side or another. Who are they going to follow? Until eventually it came to a head and Kellogg left the church. And Sister White, 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 Sister White writes about this. should choose my words better in, in Volume 1 of Selected Messages, page 200. In the book Living Temple, there is presented the alpha of deadly heresies. The omega... Will follow, and we will re- and will be received by those who are not willing to heed the warning God has given. Now, what's this, Alpha and Omega? Does anybody know the Greek alphabet? What does it start with, Alpha, and what does it end with, Omega? So here we have something that's going to be very similar to this living temple, this pantheism, this centering inward, and so on, is going to come about again, and she refers to it as the omega. Later on, a few pages later, she says, living temple contains the alpha alpha of these theories. I knew that the omega would follow in a little while, and I trembled for our people. I trembled for our people. You should know, as all this went on, by the way, that Kellogg was almost like a son to her. She prayed for Kellogg. She wrote to Kellogg. She engaged in every way that she could with Kellogg. And I would say that example would be a wonderful example with us today, as I believe we're starting to see this omega apostasy. But should we malign these people? Should we write them off, or should we pray for them? Are you with me? Because I think they're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. And so we're going to look at that today. But you know, it's not something that's just impacting the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We see it in the Baptist Church, the Methodist Church, the Church of God. I mean, on down the list, the Catholic Church and our church as well. This idea that if I'm going to really connect with God, I have to focus on the sensory, right? It's about an experience. We had a minister's meeting uh, recently that talked about the dangers of yoga, and how everybody's having Christian yoga and holy yoga and undistracted worship. Friends, if you really look at the background of yoga, well, it's just stretching, it's just this. Well, people may say that, but if you really look into yoga, the whole thing is about getting your body into a position and emptying your mind where you can be filled. It's a very uh, sensory-type experience. It's not so much of us the Lord so here you have people practicing yoga and the cross in the background and all these kinds of things Yogafaith.com or whatever you find um, they also love to practice communion now communion again is a good thing but they like the, the taste they like candles they like all these types of things and nothing's really really based in scripture as much as we want the experience now granted God gives us some things to experience baptism by immersion we experience that right We participate in communion in this church. But when we practice communion in a way that is just all about the the feelings and the emotions and everything else versus God's word and what it really symbolizes, what it truly means. Some of you have heard of uh, these prayer labyrinths where people walk through and and it's this really complicated form of prayer that again is not found in scripture. Scripture. You don't find any mention of Paul or Peter or James or John or Jesus walking through a prayer labyrinth. We don't find any mention of centering prayer. We don't find any mention of drumming or any of these things where we take maybe a word or two or a phrase out of the Bible and we repeat it over and over and over in a chant as a way and a form of emptying my mind. Does this sound dangerous? Emptying my mind to allow God to speak to me in any way that He chooses to or wants to. I think God already has a a very good method of speaking to us right here in His Word. But it's this idea I'm going to ignore that, I'm going to disregard thoughts, I'm going to center myself and allow the Spirit to speak to me. Friends, there's more than one Spirit. And the problem with all of this is that they mingle the religious with the secular and they they meld it all together and it gets very confusing. It's like nailing jello to the wall. It's really hard to pinpoint. And sometimes people describe this, I was trying to put my finger on it, I knew something wasn't right about it, but I just couldn't figure it out. It has all kinds of names. Sometimes they hijack our terminology and our words and they change them around to mean other things. And they like to say, you know, we're very spiritual, but we're not religious. We like to feel close to God. We like to feel and sense his presence. We like to taste and to touch and to to go over and we do the rosary and all this stuff. But we're not so much into religious or what the Bible has to say or passages. This is uh, Leonard Sweet. He says, mysticism, once cast to the sidelines of the Christian tradition and I would say for good reason, is now situated in the post-modernist culture near where? The center. Oh my. In the words of one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century, Jesuit philosopher of the religion dogmatist, Karl Rayner, and he quotes him, the Christian of tomorrow will be a mystic, one who has experienced something, or he will be Nothing. Now it's interesting. Uh, Leonard Sweet. I have heard this guy present. Sadly, he has come to uh, <clears throat> meetings that I've attended that our church has put on. Seventh Adventist Church has put on. I remember standing next to somebody, and I said, "Who's this guy?" Oh, the guy next to me says, "You haven't heard of Leonard Sweet? He's incredible. He is." Oh, yeah, his books are amazing. That pastor friend of mine is no longer in ministry, by the way. Here's another one by Henry Nowen. The book is called Here and Now, Living in the Spirit. It says, the God who dwells in our inner sanctuary is the same as the one who dwells in the inner sanctuary of each human being. It starts to sound a little bit like Kellogg, if you will. Another one of his books, the quiet repetition of a single word can help us to descend with the mind into the heart. This way, the simple prayer opens us to God's active presence. So I'm not looking for truth. I'm not seeking out God's word and what it has to say on any given topic. I just want to quiet the mind, lower the thinking, pass out thoughts, and allow God to speak to me. Does that sound dangerous to you in any way, shape, or form? Here's another one, Brian McLaren. The Bible is not considered an accurate, absolute, or authoritative, or authoritarian source, but a book to be experienced. And one experience can be as valid as any other. Therefore, your experience, and your experience, and your experience, and this book here, they're all the same. They're all on the same plane. They're all valid. Mercy. Mercy. Experience, dialogue, feelings, and conversations are equated with Scripture. So we find God in the conversation. We find God, and they speak all these weird terms, we find God in the knowing of Scripture. No, just the knowing. We find God in asking questions. You listen to these guys, and they'll say things like, You know, every day I wake up in the morning and I think, is this whole thing a lie? And I doubt and I question, and I'm just not sure. But God's in the questions. I'm just supposed to doubt. I mean, that's the beauty of the whole thing, is that the whole thing is so elusive. And we say, wow, that's a deep thinker. That's amazing. I wish I could doubt. Question. Do you hear a hiss of a snake anywhere? This one's very concerning to me. Super Soul Sunday. You watched the wrong thing a few weeks ago. You need to watch Super Soul Sunday. Today, this is uh, Sue Monk Kidd. There's a picture of her on this uh, interview. Today I remember the event for the radiant mystery it was, how I felt myself embraced by goddess, how I felt myself in touch with the deepest thing I am. It was the moment when as playwright and poet, and I don't know how to say that person's name, put it, I found God in myself and loved her. I loved her fiercely. And then she continues, the ultimate authority of my life is not the Bible, it is not confined between the covers of a book, it's not something written by men and frozen in time, it's not from a source, it is not from a source outside myself. My ultimate authority is the divine voice in my own soul, period. At this point you may be wondering why we're talking about this in church because friends this is a super tsunami wave if you will sweeping across protestantism and adventists are not uh, exempt from that i see my friends people that i care about and you probably could say the same that you care about getting caught up in this and the danger with this is there's no longer a thus saith the lord needed in fact i don't want it I just have to to empty my mind, and the Spirit can tell me whatever it wants to, and that's truth. How are we supposed to? Aren't we supposed to test the spirits and see if they're of God? And how do we test them if not by God's Word? How do we know what truth is if we throw out God's Word? Sorry, you didn't see that. This is something in the Adventist church it's called I Follow. It's kind of small here. It says the disciples resource for Seventh-day Adventists. The I follow the discipleship resource. Finally, a discipleship training resource that pastors can really trust. Again, my intent's not to throw anybody under the bus, but it concerns me that in this series of study guides that we have put out, this Henry Nowen, he has 14 citations, one book recommended, one website recommended. Why? Brian McLaren has six citations, five books recommended, a total of 24 times. Why? Richard Foster has three citations, two books recommended, a total of 16 times, website listed five times. Why? I don't have time to go over all the quotes I could find on all these individuals that you'd say, what? Now granted, you probably could pull some stuff that each of them said that sounds good and we could agree with and we could say, yeah, that makes sense. And that's what scares me is we're going to mingle just a little of the good with a little of the bad, and we're going to put it together so people can say, no, this is good. My kids brought up to me the other day, Daddy, I still remember when you told that children's story about the cookies with dog poopy in it. (laughs) Any of you remember me telling that story? You know, the kids wanted to go see a movie, and it had a bad part in it, and, oh, but it's just a small part, and this, and this, and this. Okay, you go out and play, I'll think about it. And Mama bakes some cookies, and she says, Oh, before you eat those... Just you you need to know that I went out in the yard, I took just a pinch of dog poopy, and it's in the cookies, but don't they smell good? Go ahead, have some. Leonard Sweet, four citations, one book recommended, one website recommended. Why? So I can recognize the name and say, oh yeah, I saw that in my discipleship. He must be a good, I'm gonna read more of his stuff. They pass out his books at the One Project. Left and right. Here's another one they like to pass out books. N.T. Wright. He has nine citations, four books recommended, a total of 21 times. uh, And his website's listed. Why? My fear is because this is no longer enough. This was good for a time. This was present truth for a time. But now we're going to launch into something even better. New flung fields. And it's all centered in experience. We're going to catch this wave and we're going to ride it. This is out of one of the the parts of this. I'm quoting from uh, one of these lessons. One essential is meditation. Is meditation a bad thing? No. I'll show you a verse in a minute. You already know it. To meditate on God's word, right? This refers to the mental practice of emptying the mind. Has anybody found that in scripture? No. When my wife tells me my mind is empty, I take it as an insult. But anyway... Mental practice of emptying the mind, quieting the chatter of my thoughts, and entering into mindfulness, as if this is a deeper existence, right? I recommend doing it for two periods, and this is not me talking, so don't misunderstand, but it says, I recommend doing this for two times a day, about 20 minutes in the morning, and again in the evening. I sit in an alert manner and concentrate on slowing my breathing. Distractions are noted and let go as I focus on inner quiet. Folks, if you read the Bible and if you read Spirit of Prophecy, this stuff is alarming. And my fear is people aren't catching it because people aren't reading their Bibles and they're not reading Spirit of Prophecy. This inner quiet. I, could get, I didn't put it up here, but there's another quote about how we focus on breathing. And our breathing. I don't know anywhere in Scripture where it says I need to focus on my Breathing. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. We're supposed to meditate on God's word, not this humana, humana, humana get that out, get that out, get that out. Let whoever spirit wants to pour in. Now I don't think the, the devil's dumb enough to give us terrible things the first time. He's going to build some rapport with this practice, don't you think? But then slowly, the devil's so patient, he starts pulling us away. Here's another, uh, I know it's small, so I'll read it to you. Uh, this was a retweet by somebody who presented at Fletcher not too many years ago. It says, those who elevate the Bible to a status of divinity have invented a new religion. It's called biblicism. I think he comes up with that word. This religion is a rival to Christianity. So we can't uphold, and, and this is retweeted by Navinus, we can't uphold this. But, you know, high, I mean, they're making it seem there's a dichotomy between Christ and His Word. Is, is there need to be a dichotomy between those two? Or is Christ embodied in His Word? I mean, the Word is Christ. Christ is His Word. This is His Word. And so they're not opposed to one another. How do we know about Jesus? Through His Word. How do we know His will and plan for our life? Through His Word. But this idea of putting the Bible lower, 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 scares me. This is also an Adventist uh, pastor. I'm not going to say who it is. Many of you will probably figure out exactly who it is. I can tell you later. But my intent is not to malign anybody. But it says, Scripture is not truth. Jesus is truth. Scripture is not truth truth scripture is not truth oh i'm glad somebody finally told me scripture is not truth jesus is truth and scripture merely speaks of him notice where this leads there is a difference and he shall be revealed in many odd and interesting places that sounds odd that sounds interesting that's where you'll find him Are there greater revelations than Scripture? Yes, Jesus for one, and the Holy Spirit now for another. Scripture is our guide to the Spirit. Again, you might be sitting there saying, Man, why are you getting all worked up over this? I don't see the big deal in that statement. Here, what I think is the big deal about that statement is that this is simply a guide. And I I, I start here, but then as I'm guided, I see something that's above this, and it's Jesus and it's the Holy Spirit. And so now this can start to go lower and lower as I'm looking not only to God's word and trying to see if this is truth, but the Holy Spirit's now telling me what's truth. Sabbath's not the Sabbath. It's actually Sunday or Friday or Wednesday. Says who? Says the Spirit. How do you know that's what the Spirit says? Because I've experienced it. As I've emptied my mind, He's communicated with me, and I I have no way to check this out. And your experience is valid, just like my experience is valid, and it's all about experience, experience, feeling, feeling. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Let's get into God's Word. Can we do that? John 17:17 17, 17 says this, sanctify them by your truth and what's the next line? What did you say? Your word is truth. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how am I going to build my faith? I'm going No, God's word. Another one, 2 John 1, 9, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine, that's another thing, is that doctrine is thrown to the side as if it's a bad word. Don't talk to me about doctrine. Friends, all doctrine is, is teaching. If we love Jesus, don't we want to know everything that he tells us in this love letter? If we love Jesus, don't we want to follow what he says because we love him? No, I don't want to know about your Sabbath. I don't want to know what happens to people when they die. I don't want to know what happens in time. I just want to live in ignorance. And it's all about Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine or teaching of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Doctrine is not a bad thing. It simply tells us who God is and his love and his will and his desire for us John 1:1. in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God they're not opposed to one another 1 John 5:7. for there are three that bear witness in heaven the father the word and the Holy Spirit and these three are one I find it interesting that it calls Jesus the word They're the same. Revelation 19, 11 to 13. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Do we know who that is? And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And notice how he's referred. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Friends, if you start reading this week your Bibles, you're going to find this everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. I can't put them all up on the screen. Apparently, I can't read my Bible and I can't read other things because it would just, all these other stuff would just jump out at me. So I must be putting this aside and reading something in its place. How do I know if that something in its place is of God without this standard? United States Supreme Court. Who do we have there in the middle of that building on top? Moses with the Ten Commandments. You stop and think about this. How do we know right and wrong if there's no scripture? If there's no truth? Well, you're just not supposed to kill. Why? Who says? I might just kill you for saying that. And if I'm bigger and if I'm stronger, I'll just do it. I mean, really, the atheists and the evolutionists and all these people, if you want to just get away from Scripture altogether, what makes something right and what makes something wrong? You don't have anything. One wife, you're missing out. I'm going to have 10. Well, that's wrong. Says who? You shouldn't lie. Why not? It's the survival of the fittest. You're just upset because I took all your food and you don't have anything. Ha, ha. Ha, ha. Without God's word, you're right. There is no truth. There is no measuring standard. And we're all in bad shape. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So if I want to know what righteousness is all about, I have to look at all of scripture. And continuing, it says that the man of God may be complete... Thoroughly equipped for every good work through this book. Man and women are complete. I need some of this extra stuff over here and over there. Right here. Complete. Desire of Ages 121. The only thing in our world upon which we can rely is the word of God. Stop and think about that. Stop and think about that. Not just because it's a book, but because it is, in fact, the word of God. God, that's why you can rely on it. So for a long time, Adventists have been known as people of the book. I tell you right at the top of my list: Why am I a Seventh-day Adventist? Because I want to follow this book. I don't want to have to make apologies. Just if God says it, then I believe it. That's it. You either have to be all in or just don't bother. John 8, 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, abide where? In my word. You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We don't want freedom. Take us back to Egypt. We like the food better there. Don't tell me the truth. And sometimes the truth is hard to accept. It's true. But why does God give us truth? Because he loves us. He cares for us. He has our best interest in mind. Okay, we have to go. Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Jesus wants us to hide his word in our heart. In fact, Jesus did this very thing. Matthew 4, when he was being tempted in the wilderness... He answered and said to the, the first temptation of the devil, he says, "It is written. Second time, it is written. Third time it is written. He had hid the word of God in his heart. And that's how he overcame the devil. Why do you think the devil wants us to put this lower and lower and lower? Because this is where the power is." Amen. And so he says, "Man shall not live. First temptation, by bread alone, but by every what? Word, word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is powerful. If you need power, it's in the word. Claim a promise. Overcome the devil. He'll flee from you. (sighs) (sighs) Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, sometimes that's a a two-edged sword. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it steps on my toes. But I need it. Mark 8, 36, 38. We're going to look it up, but we're running out of time, so I'm just going to put it on the screen for you. This is what Aiden read. Thank you, Aiden. You did an awesome job. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man gain in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Pastor Hyman pointed this one out to me this week. He's a plethora of information, by the way. (laughs) For whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Well, I'm just going to pretend the Bible doesn't say that. I'm just going to rip that part out. I'm going to just be shh, 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 shh. In this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Christianity is simply living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We are to believe in and live in Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. We have faith in God when we believe His word. We trust and obey God when we keep His commandments. And we love God when we love His law. All of those are found in God's word. That potluck's smelling good. Fellowship luncheon, Sorry. First John 4, 1 John 4.1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I hope each and every Sabbath you go back and you test the spirits, test the preachers, test the books that you're reading by God's word. Is that what it says? When they ended the quote there, were they deceiving people because it actually goes on to say something quite different? Are you testing by God's word? Of course, if we throw it out, we have nothing to test with. Isaiah 8.20, to the law and the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it's because there's how much light in them? No light. No light. So why am I a Seventh-day Adventist? Because truth matters to me. There is such a thing as absolute truth. God is the way, the truth, and the life, and it's revealed in his word for you and for me. And so it's not because you're friendlier. It's not because your church is nicer. It's not because the day of the week is more convenient. It's because of God's word. It's because of God's word. And because you're here for the same reason, I hope, that gives us some camaraderie, doesn't it? Thus saith the Lord. That's the ultimate decider. That's why we're Seventh-day Adventists. Well, the world says it was changed. Well, the world says it happens this way. Well, the world this that's fine. What does God say? That's it. To use one of Pastor Ferguson's phrases, that's it. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. May grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. I don't want to be blown around by every wind of doctrine. But I also want to ask the Lord, help me to know how to speak the truth in love to these people that feel like this is truth. Help me to have a burden for their souls. Help me to pray for them. Help me to do everything I can to reach out to them. And Lord, I pray that they will see the light and see the truth. Because it comes down to this. My ultimate authority is the divine voice in my own soul. Or it's this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine. Who's going to set your standard? Your inner you or God's word. That you may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I don't know about you, but the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the anchor of your word. I pray that each and every day we will feed on the scriptures that we will better understand you and your character, that we will claim promises that give us power to overcome sin in our lives, that will give us hope and assurance and peace, that the fruits of the Spirit may be manifest in us. And so we thank you for your word. We pray that it will be applied to our lives, that we can glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse